Good morning. It's May 5th, and welcome to Doing Life, daily devotions for finding peace in stressful times. This is the audible companion to the book of the same name. Today's title is Mine. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and trust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew six nineteen. There are two ways to have enough. One is to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. G.K. Chesterton My wife and I are approaching our mid-sixties. I still practice OB-GYN full-time, but in the common vernacular, it ain't easy. As we creep toward my retirement, a fixed income, and an ever-increasing number of grandchildren, we're considering moving to smaller digs. We are blessed to live in a large two-story English tutor, overlooking a creek and a pond on a cul-de-sac in North Dallas. It has a large pool, a deck, a hot tub, and it was the perfect house in which to raise our four kids. But our youngest is now 30, and we've begun seriously contemplating downsizing. This brings up questions of, well, what to do with all our possessions. I mean, there are a few things I really, really like. For instance, I am a bibliophile. My study has bookshelves that are chock full of treasures, in my estimation. For instance, I own the full set of 50 Harvard Classics, 1902 edition, that were my great-grandfather's. All 22 volumes of Calvin's Bible Commentary. All 13 volumes of the Expositor's Bible Commentary. The full PNTC Bible Commentary. The five-volume Complete Sermons by Charles Spurgeon. Nine bound translations of the Bible the Easton Press 100 Greatest Books Ever Written, hardbound, embossed, and illustrated with gold-leaf pages. During seminary from 2010 to 2014, I acquired almost all of the theological books in digital form as well. That means that currently, I almost never physically open a single one of these books. Reading was just easier on my Kindle, my iPhone, or my iPad, particularly before I had my cataract surgeries. So this is a no-brainer for my wife, the practical, organized half of our marriage. If we downsize, the books will need to go. If you can't hear my scream from there, I must have put this devotion on mute. My books? These books are mine. You'd give away my books just because we won't have the room? Are you, I don't know, crazy? The same argument applied to our 1906 Mason and Hamlin grand piano that belonged to my grandmother. Yes, the sounding board had to be repaired, and yes, the action had to be rebuilt, and yes, it doesn't stay in tune very well despite that, and yes, it takes up a lot of space, and yes, a Yamaha upright would sound way better and would cost one-third of what we would get for the grand piano in trade. But, but it's my piano. Don't even get me started on the 120-gallon corner fish tank. Or how about my reaction to the wrecks involving all those cars I've purchased for family members down through the years? Why would those mishaps upset me at all, as long as the family member wasn't injured? Why do any of us even bother to spend hard-earned money on cosmetic repairs to our vehicles when the damage doesn't affect their ability to get us from point A to point B? Why are we so attached to these things? I mean, they are really just stuff. Sure, there is some emotional attachment to Granny T's old piano, but let's face it, even if she left it on a screened-in porch for 20 years... Couldn't my commentaries be better used by a current seminary student? Couldn't the piano work for someone with a necessary space after we move to a townhouse 
or even a high-rise condo or apartment. But wait a minute, that stuff is mine, right? When our kids were little, we noticed that the new doll, game, toy, or gadget they received for Christmas engaged them for a day, maybe several days, and then it ended up in a pile on the floor of the playroom. Remember how your one-year-old had way more fun crawling into the cardboard box than playing with whatever toy came in it? Well, why was it again that Jesus wanted the little children to come to him? Why did he tell the disciples unless they became like one of them, they could never enter the kingdom of heaven? Matthew 19, 14? I'll tell you why. Because little children are humble, faithful, transparent, without guile, and seem to treasure their experiences and their relationships a lot more than their stuff. It's only as they grow and learn our bad habits that they start to think they need new and cool stuff. It's only as they grow that they start to believe certain things belong to them and no one else has a right to them. We adults tend to forget that all of our possessions, and in fact every good thing, is a gift, a loner actually, when it comes to the physical objects, from above, James 1.17. We tend to forget that we are actually stewards, even of our land, not owners of everything that we think of as our own, Colossians 3.23, 1 Peter 4.10, Matthew 25.20. Being a steward doesn't mean our possessions are of no value to us, and there is nothing intrinsically wrong from getting enjoyment from what we possess. The problem comes when those possessions become not useful, not just enjoyable, but objects of our affection. The problem comes when we forget to give God the glory for whatever we possess and start to congratulate ourselves for the excellent work we've done in obtaining them. How might we give glory to God? We give him thanks and we praise him and we share that with others, but primarily we need to use our stuff to do what we're commanded to do, love God and love others. It sure seems to come down to that every time, doesn't it? So, when we have possessions that have served their purpose for us, and they could be useful or bring joy to another, we need to find a way to make that happen. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew six twenty four. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Luke 12:15 For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6:10 But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 1 John 3:17 Dear heavenly Father, we all know in our hearts that the best things in life are free. And yet we lust after new models of everything from cars to phones to computers. Direct your Holy Spirit to point us to the sunset, to the moon and the stars, to the ocean surf, to a walk through a garden on a sunny day, to remind us that all good things come from above and we're only caretakers. Lead us from temptation, Lord. Keep us from allowing possessions to take on an importance that turns them into little idols in our path. Help us to use the gifts with which you have entrusted us to love others and advance your kingdom here on earth, giving you the glory and the praise. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.